When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drada, Dundalk and Cavan. Check out the new sporty and spacious Renault Arcana in petrol and full hybrid. Guaranteed delivery, low AP or finance and 48-hour test drive. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. You're very welcome to Thursday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. We have some very interesting people to meet today on the show, as usual, peppered with music, chat and more besides. I want to hear from you too this afternoon. Don't forget the usual number, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text 0419832000 if you'd like to call in. I begin the show today with a man I love chatting to. He's been with me on a number of occasions on the show and especially during the pandemic as well. We had him a number of times and he just talks eminent sense. And he's with me today because he's a new book out. It's called In Search of Madness a psychiatrist travels through the history of mental illness and it's by the brilliant professor of psychiatry at trinity college dublin and consultant psychiatrist at tala hospital brendan kelly brendan welcome back to the show thank you very much jerry it's great to have you with me now when i read the title of the book or i read it again in search of madness it might throw you off on on, on a curve as they would say because the title itself Look, the book, the book, the book, and when we get down to the nitty gritty, is it fair to say that when you talk about madness, Brendan, you're not talking about people who suffer from the various aspects of the complaint, but really how society in the past and present and perhaps in the future deal with it? Yes, precisely. The book is called In Search of Madness because I go off in search of how societies have treated people with mental illness over the centuries and how we're doing it today. And, you know, I find a great deal of evidence all over the world that we've, you know, we've done this badly uh, a lot of the time. Extraordinary treatments have been tried and things have been done. And, And while things have improved, there's still a considerable distance to go, as you and I have discussed before. So the book is really looking at the past and also trying to figure out how we can do this better in the present to better support people and help them through these kinds of times. You talk about the era of the asylum, like shocking. It is shocking to read aspects of it. And you do have a a, a warning at the start of the book about this, maybe for some people. But when you you talk about the era of the asylum, we moved away from that. But when you coin it as the era of neglect now, it's the poor relation, Brendan. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's such an interesting uh, pendulum that has swung. Back in the 1960s here in Ireland, we had around 20,000 people in, in large, what were called mental hospitals. And now we have fewer than 2,000 people in inpatient care, and it's generally short stay. So the extraordinary thing that's happened is, you know, the issue today is it's not about being protected from sort of over-enthusiastic hospital admission. No, the biggest issue today is getting access to care, you know, finding services when you need them. So the pendulum has swung very much from the era of the asylum, the big mental hospital, if you like, um, to today where we have people with mental illness who are homeless, people who are in prison, and, you know, a lot of people at home who just can't access the care that they need uh, for, for various reasons. Why is that, Brendan? And it's, it's not like we struggle with it here in Ireland, but it's not peculiar to Ireland, as you say. No, it absolutely isn't peculiar to Ireland. And all over the world in, in prisons and other settings, there are people with mental illness who simply shouldn't be there. I guess one of the reasons we struggle with it is we struggle with the idea of severe illness, something mm. like schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. And I write about this in the book a good deal, how, you know, maintaining your mental wellness is important. This is like your exercise and your diet and mindfulness and so forth. But there is a point at which, you know, people can become more severely uh, ill or unwell and need more than that. And I think we're in collective denial a lot of the time about serious mental illness. And certainly the families of people with schizophrenia or, you know, severe bipolar disorder um, tend to feel misunderstood or maybe left out of a lot of the discussions nowadays. Do you know the back cover here, as I turn it round, and I've had the book a little while and I've really enjoyed it, I have to say, and you tie this together brilliantly, which travels all over the work and bringing several themes together. Uh, But on the back page, this jumped out at me when I was just looking front and back when I got it initially. Who is mad? Who is not? And who decides? That's a big, big question, isn't it? Yes, I mean, these are huge questions. And um, as you pointed out at the start, the terminology of mad and madness is very historical. Mm. And and a lot of this is about history. But, you know, the decisions about diagnosis and treatment, you know, they remain uh, somewhat contested and... and different and it's it's so interesting i was talking to someone the other day who's been severely depressed and i you know i said you know describe it to me and and they said look i'm very 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 unhappy i'm very sad there is that but something else kicks in with severe depression a sort of a physical feeling of being unable to carry on not just a mental feeling and i think th- this distinction is is so important when we're trying to decide about the best way to support people and to help people to realize that there is a very severe end to the spectrum here. And as I go through in the book, even though we don't fully understand how the brain works, there are still treatments that are, that are very helpful and very effective for, for these conditions. Brendan Kelly talking about the soul. Brendan, what's happening? You bring the soul into the equation. Many people will be overjoyed to hear you say, you know, there is such a thing as a, a soul, a person's soul. Well, the point I'm making is really that, you know, we are not just biological brains. You know, there are are those who would like to think that we are just, you know, we are just, 
you know, with the physical brain can explain everything. And you know what, Jerry? Maybe ultimately someday we will understand the brain and the physical body enough to explain everything, to explain why we're happy, why we're sad, why some people become mentally ill and why some don't. But at the moment, you know, our knowledge is not sufficient for that. And, you know, there are aspects of human life and joy and suffering that are best described in other ways, be it your your inner life or your soul or your mind. Um, but there is this other dimension that we have as humans, this other aspect to us. Maybe it's just complexity, um, but that's it's who we are. And we, we cannot just treat people as, as biological entities. There's all kinds of other things going on, dreams and hopes and sadness. And the book tries to capture a little bit of that very human side to some of the ways in which people suffer. You mentioned that word happiness a couple of times there and I follow you and I see you uh, uh, published in articles from time to time and it's a question I've been meaning to ask you for a while. You know, the pursuit of happiness. In a way, does it make us unhappy, that striving to be happy all the time? And Brendan, can we be in a state of happiness all of the time? No, we can't be in a state of happiness all of the time. Happiness would lose its meaning if that was the case. And again, in the current book, I do talk a little bit about the ups and downs of life. And we shouldn't medicalize those. We shouldn't decide that being upset following a death is necessarily depression or being anxious after a relationship ends is a disorder. And so we need to tolerate a certain amount of sadness and ups and downs. And that's what makes life meaningful. To answer your question about the search for happiness making us unhappy, That can certainly occur. And I'm always reminded of something that Thoreau, the writer, said when he said, happiness is like a butterfly. The more you chase it, the more it will elude you. But if you turn your attention to other things, it will come and sit softly on your shoulder. You know, so he said that, you know, like a butterfly, if we focus on activities, happiness will simply flutter down to us. If we become absorbed, be it in reading a book, be it in going walking, doing the garden, if we forget about everything except an activity, we become absorbed in it. And you'll know yourself, Jerry. once you're really into something, mm. an hour can slip past, maybe two hours, you can forget everything. And that absorption, that state of being in the moment, that is happiness if only we could recognise it. And, you know, you've uh, spoken about this to me before and I've mentioned to you I have quite a number of interests in in life, especially the garden, and I love angling and that as well. And you're so right. I'm often in my happiest state when I'm involved in those activities. So it's so important, and and I've seen you emphasise this before, that people have interests in life, pastimes. is essential. Absolutely it is. And I mean, there's a lot of talk these days about mindfulness and meditation, both of which are fantastic things. But a lot of people find those terms a little bit alienating, a little bit new agey. But when you look at your own life, you will almost certainly find some activity that allows you to focus completely, to forget about the world, forget about the past and the future, and just focus on the moment. I think angling and fishing is a really good example, um, Jerry, because very often the, the, the yield from fishing, what you actually get, now I'm not judging you, Jerry, but <laughs> what you actually get can be quite minimal, um, but the benefit is very profound. Uh, that's so, uh, when we're out in bad days, that's the way we explain it away, Brendan. We say, oh, we're like the farmers, it's too bright, too windy, too cold, too warm. But you know what, Brendan? 
it's more than the actual catching of the fish. It's your environment, the people you're with, the friends, taking it all in. You know what I'm getting at? It's beautiful. No, absolutely, absolutely I do. It's about being absorbed in the moment and it's about leaving. It's more about what you leave behind or what you set aside for a period of time. And so I think it's useful for everyone to reflect a little bit on what activity in your life absorbs you and just do more of it because we'll be happier as a result. Uh, mind you, an odd fish is a help too. I will add that, Brendan, just not to let that go. My my angling mates will be uh, giving me jip over that one. But look, at back to the book, because um, uh, we, we've touched on it there, the neglect of mental health and mental health services. Will it ever change, Brendan? Will, there e- will it ever be resourced the way it should be? Um, well, I don't know, but certainly improvement is possible. And in the book, I go through treatments for mental illness in the past, and a lot of them were very difficult and are, you know, really interesting but maybe upsetting nowadays there's there is a more scientific approach to examining what treatments work and what treatments don't so we do have better knowledge the services really haven't kept up with this so at the moment here in ireland about five percent of our health budget goes on mental health and the world health organization says that that five percent it should be ten percent and the flauncher care plan says the same so i would like to see increased emphasis on mental health services, particularly child and adolescent services, which are, which are really in need of work in many parts of the country, but also maybe more broadly, a culture of mental wellness. Like, you know, Jerry, there are gyms all over the place now for physical well-being. Mm. And it would be really nice if there was a similar awareness about the need to maintain mental well-being through diet and exercise and so forth and also activities that absorb us and supporting each other in this so yeah it would be good to see services boosted significantly but also maybe a culture of awareness and a culture of support developing as has done for for physical health and of course you need the support uh, socially politically and every other way to to affect what you're calling for at the very end of the book you, you your manifesto for change you make four points to people who experience you know mental illness and their families would you briefly just mention them for our listeners please yeah, I mean, I conclude the book with some sort of, a, a, as you say, a practical manifesto for change is what I call it. And I suppose the first thing is to distinguish between problems of living, you know, the ups and downs we mentioned, and then serious mental illnesses like schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. They are different and we do need to understand that. The second thing is to do with uh, treatments, I guess. And there are three kinds of treatment we need. For the ups and downs of life, we need each other. We need, if you like, community support and helping each other out. The second level of treatment is in uh, GPs, in primary care. There is a counselling and primary care scheme for people with medical cards. And that's really good counselling, psychological support, but it does need to be expanded. And then the third level of care is the specialist mental health services, the kind of thing I work in Mm. for, for conditions like schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. We need to be positive and realistic about treatments. You know, a lot of psychiatric medications are very helpful. They have problems and they need to be accompanied by psychological support, but they are helpful. And I guess the final thing is, I I repeatedly say that psychiatry and mental health care is a social endeavour. We live in families, communities and societies and we need to think about our wellness and our problems in those contexts. Ultimately, we help each other and we keep each other well. 
And just back to the whole area of happiness again before we finish. Uh, you touched on having an interest or a hobby or whatever in life. You mentioned sleep, I know, uh, as being a key factor. Exercise too. The usual ones we hear about. Uh, some money helps as well, of course, in life to get, to get us by. But an interesting one just before we finish is this thing. And social media, as you know, has facilitated more than ever nowadays comparisons comparing with others you know being feeling a little down when we we look at things it's a huge issue isn't it well it is and and, you know social media allows us to compare ourselves with others more frequently and quicker and more dramatic comparisons um, than ever before we always compare ourselves with others but the comparisons are always inaccurate we don't understand other people's lives but you know social media brings this to a whole new level and we make crazy comparisons. So I can look at social media and look at, say, a post by someone like, I don't know, Kim Kardashian, the reality TV star. Yes. And I might compare myself to her by looking at her picture. Now, she is a, 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 a glamorous person with a team of stylists. And I am a balding middle-aged man. <laughs> and, and yet... <laughs> When I look at her image, I automatically compare myself to it. My logical brain dismisses the comparison as utterly preposterous, but the emotional damage is done. And I feel bad for a moment as a result. So we do need to rein in how much of that we we, we put ourselves in the way of and to realize that comparison, to quote Roosevelt, comparison is the thief of joy. It, 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 It gets us down no matter what, and the comparisons are never fair. The grass is always greener. I try to tell myself every day when I have, and I have the thoughts, you know, I often think, you know, what is this all about? And where are we going? And where are we headed, etc.? I always try to ground myself by saying how lucky I am, Brendan. Absolutely. I mean, once we can value the present moment and try and stay rooted in what's happening to us right now and how fortunate we are in so many different ways, I suppose primarily to be alive to begin with, um, then we will start to find some happiness in the moment. Thinking about the past will only make us uh, depressed and thinking about the future will make us anxious. And, you know, if we think about the present moment, we'll realize that the moment is all we have and we have only moments to live in the future. It's a succession of moments and valuing them will indeed make us happy. You've done a wonderful job yet again, may I say, in this book. I I really enjoyed it. I took my time across it and I recommend it highly. It's called In Search of Madness. Uh, A psychiatrist travels through the history of mental illness by the wonderful Professor Brendan Kelly. I'm always grateful of your time. This book's going to fly for you. I wish you well with all you do, Brendan. Thank you very much indeed, Jerry. Thank you for joining me. Take care of yourself. That's Professor Brendan Kelly there. A wonderful, wonderful man. A professor of psychiatry at Trinity College Dublin and consultant psychiatrist at Tala Hospital in the capital too. Tell me honestly, did you go round last night after we talked about the vampire devices and turn off all your switches? No. There you go. You've just lost 50 cent overnight and you could have gained that 50 cent and lol. No, my husband has lost it because he pays that bill. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and I'm sending him a recording of yesterday's show so he can listen back to it. Anyway, on a serious note, Mm. uh, on a very serious note, uh, a tumble dryer went on fire in County Meath and... In Longwood, yeah. Very lucky the people, weren't they? Very lucky. I mean, since all this... uh, 
I suppose the bills started rising. Uh, everybody's been saying, oh, put on the washing machine and the tumble dryer in the middle of the night and save money if you're yep. on a night saver. But this uh, family just put on the tumble dryer before they went to bed and just because they needed stuff the next morning. Yes. It wasn't for energy. And they checked and it was nearly dry. So they put on the timer and said, right, another 15 minutes I'll do it. Yeah. Went to bed. And it went on fire. Went on fire and they were very lucky to they get out. They got out. There was no um, injury or anything. But no, thankfully. M- extensive damage. Destroyed. To the house. They lost now, everything. Y- you're one for not running, you know, anything. Dishwasher, no. tumble dryer, washing machine at night time. No. Even though we're Even being phone told charger, now. Nothing. You know, we've been told now to use the night rate yeah. that it's cheaper. Yeah. I'd be terrified in case they, they went on fire. Because you always hear about a dryer or a washing mm. machine. In the middle of the night. I'd actually start the dishwasher at night. It's in the kitchen. Yeah. Oh. Our our washing machine is out in the utility and the tumble dryer is out in the shed. Actually, I must have a look at that because it's one I'd say it's not. Uh, not it's an older much. one and it's using probably more energy than it should. I should look for a more efficient one. We don't use the dryer mainly in the wintertime or bad weather. You know what I mean? We have the clothesline. And Sheets and uh, towels yeah. and stuff. And when you need stuff, as you say. But that's out in the garage. If anything happened out there, well, you know, <laughs> there'd be stuff lost all right. But, but a lot of people their tumble dryer in the garage or shed. Mm. I think it's a good place to put the... And I'd nearly mm-hmm. put the washing machine in there as well and uh, plumb it in, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, now, thinking about it... the tumble dryer is probably easier just to move to the shed. Yes. You know, it doesn't have to be plumbed or anything. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. But it is, it is a cautious tale or a tale of caution. You know, that, you know... It's exceptional, you will say. You know what I mean? It, there are so many mm. tumble dryers and machines working all over the northeast and beyond, and it's a rare case. But, it can, but it can happen in a rare case, and it's just something to be aware of as well. You know, and thank God uh, there was uh, uh, buildings can be replaced and 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 belongings and things like that. Human life can't. But there you go, tumble dryer fire uh, dryer in Mead going and, on fire. And fair play to that community in Longwood because they have really rallied around and helped them. Yes, they're wonderful people. Yeah. By the by, the way, anybody out there have a similar experience of a near miss with a tumble dryer, a washing machine or a dishwasher? If you did, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text us in 0419832000 if you want to call. Because I'm sure there are other people, maybe you got, got up, I remember getting up one time and a, a lead being totally melted into a computer. Do you know what I mean? Overnight. Oh, wow. Yes, uh, that happened myself. So the lucky, little lucky one there so there was but uh, anybody any trouble with your dryers or washes let us <laughs> going know going to school with a uniform half wet <laughs> oh my god almighty 086-1800-658 this one just popped in you really Jerry can't leave anything on unattended anymore it's not safe says a listener so some of your comments on the show Professor Brendan Kelly with us uh, top of the bill today and the listener on to say he is so right. When I'm in my garden, Jerry, I often get so interested that I nearly forget about going in to make the dinner, says a listener. Oh, the old belly would rumble eventually, wouldn't it? And in you would go. Um, another one here from Michelle Howard. Hello, Michelle. I'll read it in a moment because Michelle is really looking forward to my next guest on the show. And, you know, they say lightning doesn't strike twice. But when I mention freewheeling Dylan, 150 to 1 shot, 2021 Irish Grand National at Ferry House, winner, remarkable. But he only went and did it again this year with Lord Lariat at 40 to 1. I am delighted to say hello to the top trainer in the Royal County, Dermot McLaughlin. Hello, Dermot. 
Hi, Terry, how are you? I'm really good. Thanks for taking our call this afternoon. No problem. Will, are you back on, on, on terra firma? Have the feet touched the ground? Oh, definitely have, yeah. So we're back at work the next morning. <laughs> we bought a heap of horses up to uh, uh, Ferry House to gallop out the track, so all the lads win and we settled down a bit now. It has been a hectic week, all right. People are calling to you regularly here and taking pictures and I've been down to Clare midweek with the horse sets or the joint owner of the horse lit in Kilkeel there in Clare, so we brought them down there as well. So it's been a busy week now, a busy week, all right. And received like a celebrity, you and your entourage and the horse, loved in the in the hometown there in Clare. Oh, it was great. People down there really appreciated the fact we brought them down and uh, mm. there was a big, big crowd down there, all right, and uh, we got looked after very well down there. Well, it was great. It was great. Wait. Now, let's go back to 2021 and just uh, take us uh, to the time ahead of the big race, the Grand National. Of course, there wasn't uh, punters allowed in with the restrictions. 150 to 1, you look at the betting and you think, when you get down there, ah, forget about it. Did you believe that Freewheel and Dylan could win it? I, with the staff and the lads had a chat here before we left. The conditions that were suited us, Jerry, on the day, the ground was drying out. Uh, we just thought if you got to the front, maybe things could work from it. Obviously, he got a good ride on the day and things worked out. All these big races need a lot of luck and our luck was at his last two years only thank God anyway. But, um, no, when he got into a rhythm in front there, very willing in last year, he jumped fence to fence and he stayed going well, yeah. Conditioned suited, so mm. he, he, he all worked out well, yeah. yeah. He's hardly had a, a King's Ransom on him at 150 to 1. No, the girl here in the yard, she had owns him, was backing him from Christmas onward. So <laughs> she had a <laughs> Obviously, she wasn't at the races, but when we came back to the yard, she was a very happy woman. So, uh, and her friends, um, a few videos going around, they were celebrating there. But um, no, it was great for Sheila here as well. She works here in the yard, so it was a fairy tale for her as well. Yeah. Unbelievable stuff. Unbelievable. Fantastic. And he ran great at Aintree this year. Yeah, he ran great. He got a bit tired at the back of the second last. Uh, just unfortunately, we don't, he mightn't just stay the trip, you know what I mean? But uh, we'll prepare him for next year again and see. See what happens for that race again next year, hopefully. Watch this space, freewheeling, Dylan. Keep an eye on him. He'll make the distance next year. Seventh this year, Adrian. A great performance, for sure. Now, come on to this year and Lord Lariat. You know, as I said, lightning striking twice. What about your thoughts on this lad before the race? Because he'd shown a bit of form. He'd shown a bit of form, but until about five to ten, we weren't actually guaranteed a run in the race. Oh. So it was just we were myself and the jockey Paddy O'Hanlon were watching the phone here at five to ten to make sure he was getting in the last he was last horse to get into the Irish National this year. So obviously luck was on our side again and um nobody had won up there. We he said at Christmas time that we might put him aside for the Irish National, that we wouldn't run him in background in January or February. And if he didn't run in the Irish National there was a race afterwards, the next race after the Irish National that he definitely got running. So he was entered for both races and as luck would have it, he sneaked in very low weight into the Irish National this year. And of course, Paddy O'Hanlon came seven, so uh, that was another half stone off his back. So another fairy tale, all a bit of luck as well, Joey. To be mm. fair, like he just he got a good start. So he jumped from fence to fence, but he was a fresh horse this year. We put him by, and we just said, "Look, we we'll give these lads a roll and see what happens." Mm, and what happened was simply remarkable. Now, with no disrespect to you, you're not the biggest trainer in Ireland or in, in County Mead by any means. How many no. horses have you there? Are you looking after at the minute? We'd forty here, Jerry. That's what we have. Forty oh, horses. It's, a, it's a it's a good it's a good stable as well. Has this you know double victory uh, you know made you know people prick up their ears a bit and say, hold on a minute, we might put our horses or our horse with uh, with Dermot. Have you had the phone ringing? Oh yeah, we had the phone ringing, but I suppose it's going into the summertime now. 
usually um, natural own torches be coming back in off grass at yes. the right time. So, like, you know, there's been people ringing all the time and, and good wishes. And I have to say, I have to say, thanks to a lot of people, like, you know, for their goodwill and wishes and cards every day. It's, it's an unbelievable, like, you know, it's been really, really nice. But uh, we've a big staff here. We've good staff, Jerry, too. Like, they have to be mentioned in all this. Like, they, they put in the hard graphs as well. So, we've a good team of lads here, and we all work hard to get the best results for the horses we have. So, which is essential. It doesn't matter if it's a Grand National or a small mm. race in Kilbegan. We have to go everywhere with them. So uh, there's a lot of work involved. There's a lot of sacrifices. So, you know, we all work hard at it, you know. So yeah. it's great. The pavement goes right. Could you, you know? take more? Like if somebody came to you and wanted to put a group of horses with you, that are you limited? To, or is that your choice to go with 40? No, we could build more. We have room for more. I put up a few every year, to be honest. But... Um, just staff is a big thing nowadays, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's the biggest issue, and uh, as I said, we have good lads at the moment, so we don't want to office overstretch them, but no, look, if the right man came with the right horses, you'd have to have a chat and think about think about going again with more, yeah? Definitely would, yeah. yeah. I mentioned uh, Michelle Howard, uh, you know her, I'm sure. What yeah. a great lady she is, wonderful racing woman. She sent it in a lovely message to say that she's delighted you're on the show with us today. Remarkable freewheel and Dylan and then to win it again. And what she says in the message uh, is that she was delighted for you that the first year with the closed doors thing, you know, there weren't that many of your family or friends there. It must have made such a, a difference this year. Oh, yeah, obviously, with my two kids there, my wife was unbelievable, you know, yeah. and we put her across the road there, because obviously last year I didn't think we'd get to do that again, you know, you don't think you're going to get to win a, they're so hard these races to win, especially mm. Grand Ashland, so um, we were a bit somber last year, but we came home and obviously my wife and kids were there to greet us, but this year now, obviously, it was great to have them there, and we brought them down to the local school in Curraha here during the week as well, and yeah. all the kids in Curraha were <laughs> great fun, and it was great, obviously, to have my wife there as well. And yes. A big, big support of mine, so it's great. It's mm. great. And Michelle just wants to wish you well. She says you're one of the nicest guys in the racing game, and she sends you all her good wishes uh, this afternoon to us here on the show. Um, when you think of, you know, what you've achieved, you know, do you know what we, we love in life, and I personally love it as well, I love the uh, unfancied or the little man or woman, you know what I'm talking about, the underdog winning, Dermot. Yeah. Oh, well, look, it is a, it's a huge environment, this racing game, and like I said, um, you know, these races are very, very difficult to win. You know, I think um, Gordon Elliott had 11 runners this year and 10 in it last year, so we're going there one horse each year, you know, at a big price, but we're hoping for the best. But as I said, if the horse is prepared well, you know what I mean, and he's right on the day, anything can happen. So we've been lucky, and obviously, as I said, you need a lot of luck, and maybe our luck was for just the last couple of years, so it's been great for us, you know, but... Um, as I said, if the job is done right, you're halfway there, I think, you know, so that's the mm. the, the work is put into these horses. And as I said, it's a, it's a long road from the start of July to prepare them for these big races. So, but we're doing a good job at the moment, so long mm. way to continue. God, your fan club is uh, is growing as I sit here and watch the messages coming in. Uh, Jerry, uh, we went to school with Dermot, a.k.a. Jock. Is that your nickname? Yeah, me and Carl Jock. Yeah, my father was called Jock as well, and my brother <laughs> yeah. called Jock. So, that's, uh, if someone calls me Darren, we'll have to look around now. To be honest, Jerry, because I'm not sure. A lot of people call me Red as well, because of red hair. So, yeah. Uh, I think it's my wife's only calls me down, but anyway, to be honest. So. <laughs> ah, look, I, I know the story myself, uh, but the message comes from Helen Clare, Ulick, Edel, John Joe and Marguerite McDonald from Dunshocklin. They're listening to you today and send us in uh, good wishes as well. And there's somebody else saying, oh yeah, go down to Dermot's next week uh, to see him. Says another uh, message there coming. And there's more that popping in there as, as I speak. Now, here's the thing. 
your dad, Liam, sure, you didn't yeah. lick it off the ground and the uncle and everyone involved in the game. But I don't know whether you still have it. I went and met your dad many moons ago and recorded a piece with Liam for Local Legends of Sport. He's a lovely, lovely man. Yeah, I've uh, passed away, Jerry, but 11 years ago. But we still have that. My own kids listened to it, uh, say, last summer. So, uh, oh yeah, my father loves people calling to the yard here in the house, obviously talking about the horses he rode in the 60s. And he obviously rode a Grand National winner in Caforo in 1962 for the late Tom Draper. So it was a race that we were always going to from a young age. I remember bringing me, from, I suppose, from seven years on, seven, eight on, I was going to Ferris with him. So uh, I was the proudest. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Bunch of us, uh, you know, I, I obviously, um, I, as a racer, I always want to have a winner and a lot of winner and so... We've been very lucky, you know. It's just to follow history, and uh, I was very proud of the fact my father rode an Irish for national winner. Mm. I knew how hard of a race, and I worked for Jim Draper myself for 15 years, so I knew the history over there with the race as well, and how hard it is to win, and just get a horse good enough to run in it. Not long winners, Jerry, is, is the big problem, you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, especially with the big owners nowadays, they've yes. 10 and 11 horses entering these races, so it's just hard to sneak one in. But no, obviously, my father, you know, was. He was a very good jockey in his time as well, so he rode some very, very good horses in his day, as my uncle Peter did as well. So uh, that's where it all came from. That's where it all came from. He'd be so proud of you. And of course, he was the first first man to ride Arkle to victory, your dad, Liam. That's right, Cherry, yeah. Mm. And I remember people still calling to the house when he was alive, just getting the last photograph. There was only himself and Paddy Woods that's alive at the time. You know, just but... um, Oh yeah, as I said, people used to call here. He rode for Lion Boat as well, so um, two very top horses at the time. You know, they went head to head. So um, he was always a Flying Boat man. But anyway, um, he said always said the if they met, he thought Flying Boat was just the better horse. But um, mm. no, as I said, he rode some very very good horses, and uh, that's what all started for me. Probably you know what I mean. I followed in his footsteps. And, yeah, and he was a gentleman too. I remember all those years ago going down to meet him with the microphone and the recorder and recording the piece with him and featuring him, uh, your dad Liam, in Local Legends of Sport. And it's great you still have it. That's a, that's lovely, lovely to hear. It really is. There's a story round um, uh, your jockey on Lord Lariat this year, isn't there as well? Paddy O'Hanlon's on screen there, yeah. Paddy started us, uh, I suppose, when he was 15 or 16 and uh, he wanted to be a flat jockey. He's a bit tall at the time, but he uh, 
he wrote a few for us in the flat and then he went to England for a couple of years and didn't have any luck and obviously got heavier and he came back and I just said to him one day when he came back to the edge you may go jumping but he wasn't keen on jumping Jerry he wasn't he wanted to be a flat jockey so we had to persuade him to go over jumps because obviously he's either that or finish up race riding and uh, oh, you know, he took to it well he um, he works out hard as well he's a good young fella so good strong rider and as I said he wasn't feeling intimidated for a seven pound claimer last Monday you know, we, we stuck to our plan to try and get out the gate quick and get a good start and away with him and it all worked out well. Mm, it did indeed. What a story you are, as you said, and you've acknowledged it several times. It's a team. It's a team there at the yard round you and they all put it in and by mm. God, uh, have you achieved these last two years. You are the king of Fairy House up against all the big boys and girls, as I said. Dermot, congratulations again. Continued success to you. And enjoy these wonderful times. Much appreciated, Jerry. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you. joining me on the show. Take care of yourself. No bye-bye, bye-bye. 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 That's the brilliant Dermot McLaughlin there, trainer of the last two Grand National winners, Freewheeling Dylan, 150 to 1, and Lord Lariat at 40 to 1. Incredible indeed. And I always say it in sport. I love when the little guy wins. A bit of a link from one of my earlier guests to my next guest. Jeremy McLaughlin, the uh, trainer from Meath of the last two Grand National winners in Ireland, was telling me that I was calling him Dermot. He says nobody really calls him Dermot. He's known by his nickname. Well, my next guest certainly is. He's known as Skittles in and around the Talonstown area in County Louth and beyond. But his real name is Jerry Carroll and he's on the line. Hello, Jerry. Well, how are things? Not so bad. How are you, Jerry? Tell me, tell us this. The name Skittles. Where does that come from? Oh, it come from my father years and years and years ago. And w- where did he get the name from? Where? What does it come from? I went not a clue. Not a clue. Not a clue. And you just take it on now, and you're Skittles Junior. Is that it? Oh, that'd be it. That'd be it. Yeah. Tell us about your yourself. What have you worked at all your life? Oh, I worked on the farm all my life. All my life. A labourer, a farm labourer, I see. And and you've worked off at farming all of your life? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're married. What's your wife's name? Mary. How many children have you? Six. Any, gra- any grandchildren? No, I, I had seven. I had no television to the time, you know. <laughs> no TV equals six children. Is that what you're telling me, Jerry? <laughs> that's it, that's it. Jeez, I should have switched it off more often myself when you know that you remind me of it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, you, you, you've run into a bit of bother in recent years with the health. Tell us what happened to you. I got a very cancer of the brain. Have you? Yeah. And uh, you've had a couple of operations. I do. I'm going for one more now in a couple of weeks. Are you? This is the last one, I think. And how are you doing? How are you doing? How has the surgery helped you? Oh, oh, it didn't, it didn't, you know. Good no. days and bad days. Right, so you're up and down with it still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you're with me today for a, a, a particular reason. You're, yeah. ra- you're raising money for what? For the RD Hospice. Why RD Hospice? Have they been a big help to you? They've been a big help to me and some of my family as well, you know. Yeah. And you, they're special. You want to help them in? Is yeah, it, uh, yes, yeah, deadly. I don't know what I do without them. And you, you've been fundraising in the past for them. You've done a few other things. We've we done a, a Sam Maguire Cup a replica and done it own crested. Yeah. Oh, it must be 12, 13 years ago, more maybe. Okay, so you're at this a long time, even though before you got, got ill yourself? Aye, uh, we just kept tipping about uh, like, 
Yes. My sister died with cancer and two me and my brother. I had two of them now. There was actually one of them buried, Sarah. Oh, my God almighty. This is shocking. And and you've been at this uh, since your sister passed away over 13 years ago. You did mock weddings. You had a few mock weddings had these as well. Oh, we had myself and Murphy Rooney. Oh, God. The man himself. That's him. The Murph. He's a legend. Ah, so we were at school together. I wouldn't like to tell you some of the things we've done. <laughs> Hold on, don't. It's twenty-five to three in the afternoon. We could be, we could be, we could be knocked off the air, Jerry. Don't just do that at the minute. Anyway, uh, no. Anyway, w- w- this weekend is important, isn't it? You have another big uh, tractor run coming up. We have a tractor run and a bit of music in Lannanton. A couple of other things doing. We the hanging Mickey's singing. Right. So it's all going on this this weekend, but the tractor run is the big thing. Uh, the big this thing Sunday, yeah. Sunday. Uh, you, your brother, your brother-in-law, Fint, is there with you. Would you put me onto him a sec? Put me onto uh, there, uh, sir. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Jerry. Good man. Hello, Jerry. Fintan, how are you? Fine, thanks. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Tell us a bit more about this tractor run on Sunday. What's the story? Well, it, it's starting at eleven o'clock. No, registration at eleven o'clock in Lennon's Lounge in Talenton. Right. So. And get on the way at half twelve. Okay. And then they're going to they're going round Rearson and Loud Village and that that general area. Yes. When they go back to Lennon's then there'll be refreshments. And then we have music from two o'clock and six o'clock. At two o'clock to half three we have Barry Pritchard with Great Entertainer. From three o'clock to four we have a uh, Cody Bradley from Abbey and Demi Duffy. And on four to six, we have the Swinging Mickeys. Oh, my God. It's a, a big afternoon of entertainment lined up after the tractor run. So, look, it's for tractors, vintage cars. Everybody welcome. Tractors or vintage cars or motorcycles, that's like that, yeah. All vehicles welcome to go along and register at 11 o'clock. And again, yeah. I come back to say it, RD Hospice doing a great job in the community there. Oh, we're also just we're, we're doing some raffles. We're selling lanes. Yes. And we have a host of fantastic prizes, and they all have to be won on Sunday, too, you know. Yeah, great. So the idea is to get as much money for the hospice as possible. We're very good with those with the years. Yeah. And we pay them back as much as we can. And you're the main man there, Jerry. He's doing the best he can in the circumstances. Really good at the minute, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, good on him, good on him. Anyway, listen, we wish you well with everything on Sunday. Thank you for joining me on the show today. I just wanted I just wanted to thank a few people, hey. So my wife Mary and my family here. Yeah, because they do a lot of work for me, do you know? Yes, Jerry. And the carers. Yes. Your children as well. And yeah. and the hospice, of course, and the people there that you mentioned already, and all the people who are supporting you. I understand, Jerry. You're um at, at times like these you really see the, the good, don't you, in people? Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. do, you do indeed, I understand. Anyway, Jerry, listen, good luck to you all on Sunday with the tractor on. Hope it really goes well for you. I know it'll go well. And take care of yourself. You know, health and happiness to you. Thanks very much. Not at all. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Jerry Carroll there, a.k.a. Skittles, well-known in the Talentstown, Midlouth area. And uh, he's heading for another operation. You heard him in the next few weeks. And we wish him well and wish him well with the fundraiser on Sunday. You're at Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. King of beekeeping, Tom Shaw, has been in touch with me. He was listening to Brendan Kelly at the top of the show talking about, we touched on what makes you happier, the pursuit of happiness. And Tom says, listening to you today, Jerry, you mentioned that gardening and fishing made you happy. But what about beekeeping? Yes, I was a beekeeper for a time. Tom goes on to say, 
Everyone knows that only beekeepers are truly happy. What other hobby can you have that all your year's work can just vanish if the bees swarm at the wrong time? Not to mention Varroa, AFB or EFB, etc. Those are ailments that uh, are not good for bees. How could you be happy doing anything else, says Tom. Tom is always happy. He loves his bees. He's a happy man by nature. Lovely to hear from you, Tom. Hope you're doing well uh, this afternoon. Oh, things like that really bring me joy when I hear from lovely people like the great Tom Shaw. Now we move on on late lunch today and oh god at times I despair. Anyway we're going to hear the story from County Mead from Donna Vidal who is a farmer over in the Royal County. Hello Donna. Hi. Hi how are you? God you sound very young. You are a young lady aren't you? Oh, I don't know at this stage. <laughs> I, know I don't you. know what young is anymore. <laughs> Listen, you are a young farmer. I'll just give it a little bit. She's in her 20s. Anyway, she's a young lady, a young farmer in County Mead. Is sheep your speciality? Yes, yeah. I I never really had um, much of an interest in farming when I was younger. It was only, say, in the last seven or eight years that I I got into to sheep myself and set up my own flock. And um, I started off with Texel yos, and then I started doing embryo work, and that was that was great. And they're blackface yos. I only have them about a year now, mm. not even a year actually. Sorry, August. I imported my first ten yos from Scotland. Good on you. So yeah. So 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 uh, they've grown on you. Yeah. Oh, well, now I spend every day. I'm farming full time now, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't have it any other way. It's it's a great yes. style. And, and let me ask you this. You are a young lady. You know, you're obviously in contact across social media and uh, different other mechanisms with others. Are there other young people like you in this game? Oh, yes. Yeah, that's, that's one of the main. You know, the social side of it is a big uh, factor. Um, you know, for me, I've met a lot of friends and, you know, we go to shows together and sales and... Mm. Yeah, it's, it is fantastic. You know, when I was young growing up, I thought it's just old men, you know, you see at the Mars. <laughs> you know, that's what I thought. There's, no, it's, there's a lot of young people and a lot of young girls um, involved great. and very nice and everyone helps each other. It's great. Oh, lovely. This is really heartening to hear this and the way it should be. Sure, it won't survive if you don't have the youth coming in. Ladies yeah. and gents, all needed young people on our farm. So... This is all really nice here, but on Saturday, was it the early hours of Saturday just gone by? Tell us what happened to you. Yes, yeah. So I had um, 10 yos, 10 blackface yos, and they all lambed um, from kind of mid-March onwards. And my last yo to lamb, she had four. She had two yo lambs and two ram lambs. And I had two previous lambs, and they were triplets, so I had two pet lambs. And when she lambed, I left two yo lambs on her and I put the two ram lambs in with the others. So mm. I'm feeding them with a bottle. And at about 10 days old, I let the yo and the two yo lambs out into a small paddock next to the house. And they were out for almost four weeks. And I never had any problems with the fox or mm. anything. And I let the four ram lambs out then about a week, a week ago. So mm. they were all together and I was feeding them with a bottle and they were coming on very well. But the old lambs were always ahead because they had the, the yo. Yes. So, um, but the yo kind of took them all on. She was a very good mother. And at about three o'clock that morning, I heard her 
roaring and going mad and I thought you know it's hardly a fox um, you know they're, they're 15 kilos I would say each so they were um, too big for the fox to take Yes. and um, so I, I said to my brother you know I woke him up and I said come on get your gun we're going outside and he said you're mad he said you go back to bed he said the fox wouldn't take lambs that size so I went out and when I went out I heard a car pulling away from the driveway I thought it was funny you know at that time of the morning so went into the field and the two year old lambs were gone and I'd heard them from my room I'd heard the old calling like roaring the lambs mm. were calling back and they were getting further and further away down the bottom of the field so you know I just thought maybe they had just kind of were playing and they had run down um, but you know it, it looks very like to me um, they were taken you know and a lot of different farmers have said to me there was no way a fox would take lambs no it, uh, in my book, it was a two-legged fox. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've been told. Yeah, too. yes. It's just very disheartening, you know. And you know, the two yo lambs and left the four ram lambs there. So I was just, you know, I was hoping to keep as many yo lambs as I could on to grow my flock. So I'm just very, very disheartened. Oh, it's terrible! It. It's terrible! It really is terrible. So, did you see anything? Did you see a vehicle? Did you see people? Did you see anything at all? No, see, I did see the car. I didn't see the kind of car it was. I just seen the, it was black dark. So I just seen the lights, you know, kind of screeched off. And I just thought, yes. you know, it's someone on the phone maybe. Or I just never thought, I never, ever thought that somebody would do yes. something like that. You know, what would two lambs, you know, if they were going to take them, you'd think they would, you know, take a big number of sheep. Um, but I had a lot of people in, you know, because they were pet lambs, I used to, the neighbours would come over and, you know, I used to show different people. Mm. Showing them around too much, maybe that was the problem. But yeah, you know, so look, think. there was a car. There were people involved. Your two lambs are gone, and you have no details. Sure, it was the dark of of night, etc. As well, but uh, and and you're not alone because wasn't there, there a bigger theft? Martin Gibbons, uh, who's in County Meath as well, Muller, he lost a lot, didn't he? Yes, yeah, I had put it up on Facebook and he's just my neighbour and he messaged and said, you know, he lost 10,000 worth of yews and lambs a week earlier. My God. So you're not an isolated instance. You see this, there's uh, there's um, other untoward stuff going on there. God almighty, that was shocking. I was just reading that as well about Martin. 10,000 worth of sheep taken uh, from that man doing his very best like yourself there. It is shocking, this heartening, and it's totally wrong. It, it really, really is. What about um, uh, the yo? She's still missing them. No, she's, she's actually very good. She's taken up with the... Two ram lambs now, so I yeah. know how she's. They are a fantastic breed. They're fantastic mothers, so I'm delighted. Mm. But no, I'm sure you know she reared them for almost five weeks, and then yes. to, to be gone like that. Um, I know the Gardaí are involved, aren't they? Trim Gardaí. Anyone with any information should give Trim Gardaí a shout. 046-948-1540. That's 046-948-1540. If you have any information at all, it'd be gratefully received. Um, can you do anything to secure your place or to secure them any better? Um, I mean, you. we have dogs, you know, and the yeah. dogs were barking. And, but I yes. mean... You just, I just wasn't prepared in all my time, eight years breeding. I just never, ever experienced anything. Mm. You know, you don't think someone's going to come in and steal 
lambs. I didn't. <laughs> anyway, you know, yes. my only problem was the fox, but yeah. that was with lambs that were a couple of days old. But, mm. Not um, the bigger ones, for, for sure. Uh, yeah, but there you are. Your uh, naivety and innocence has been shook now by this. It's sad to say that it has, but uh, uh, that's what you're dealing with. You know, there are unscrupulous people out there and they just don't care. And it, it's really sad to, to think about it. But look, perhaps someday or some way uh, they'll get their comeuppance uh, for, for what they've what they've done. What, what's the most? You mentioned one had four there. Is that the most you've ever had? Four is unusual. It's a high number, isn't it? Yeah, no, I, that's the most. I actually had a textile earlier this year with four. Four. It's my first time to ever had four, and then the blackface yoga gave four. So it's been a great year um, for lambs, you know, yes. and a lot of yo lambs, which is great. Yeah, yeah. I love, I love to see the yo lambs coming, but um, just mm. it's tough when we get to this stage. It's different, you know, if the fox takes them a day old, yes. it's bad, but you can you know, understand. when you have them up to that age, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's it it's it's it really is terrible. Anyway, I wish you well. I hope this never happens to you again and keep on doing what you're doing. You're the new generation and as you told us, there's a lot uh, of people uh, getting involved in farming from a young age as well. I wish you well and I hope this doesn't happen and please God, uh, some information may come forward to uh, throw light on the situation. Enjoy your day. Thank you for joining me. Okay, thank you very much. Not at all. Take care, Donna. That's Donna Vidal there, a sheep farmer in County Meath. Bad scrams to them. I can't use the words I'd like to use on the airwaves today, but you know what I'm thinking. You know yourself. Jeez, they'd get a good shock if they came across when they went out with the gun there thinking it was the fox, wouldn't they? We've listeners in Turin this afternoon. My good friend Paddy is listening in and he was wondering, had Dermot McLaughlin any tips for us uh, with the GGs? Paddy, we'll have tips. We'll, we'll, keep you, we'll keep you informed. Well, Louise will if she shares them with us. Dermot promised that he'd let her know in future when there's a, a little bit of a, a gamble to, to go on. Anyway, we, we'll let you know, Paddy. Lovely to hear from you this afternoon. Hope you're enjoying yourself. I'm sure you are, you lucky duck. Anyway, moving on, on Late Lunch Today, Bodyguard is my featured movie and soundtrack this week. And as I mentioned already, though the movie was acknowledged on the award circuit for its musical prowess, it was recognised for its acting by an awards body it didn't want any nominations from. What am I talking about? Known as the Razzies, the Golden Raspberry Awards are a parody of the Oscars, honouring the worst in cinematic underachievement. Bodyguard, listen to this, received seven nominations, including Worst Picture, Worst Actor for Costner, and Worst Actress for Houston. Good job she could sing. And for today's song, I'm going with the fifth and final single released from the soundtrack. It was co-written by Whitney Houston, acclaimed by roughly half of uh, the music critics, but equally unloved by the other 50%. Well, sure, you know yourself. It all boils down to taste, doesn't it? So does Queen of the Night do it for your palate? Queen of the night, Miss Whitney Houston from The Bodyguard. What do you make of it? Probably not the most well-known song from the movie, but the fifth single released and it did well. Charted top 20 in the USA 
and the UK as well. Yeah, different style for Whitney Houston from the big ballads or love songs. But I'll be finishing tomorrow with the one and only from The Bodyguard. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, you do. Anyway, that's for tomorrow. Just to mention, looking ahead to the weekend, our live coverage of the Premier League continues on Saturday. You can listen on the LMFM app or on lmfm.ie. Half 12, Newcastle take on Liverpool. Three o'clock, it's Aston Villa against Norwich with Leeds hosting Manchester City at half past five. Premier League live with now. Stream live action from BT and Premier Sport with a now sports extra membership. You can pick and choose the games you want to see. It's fantastic. Anyway, lots of Premier League games this weekend. Big ones coming up to the business end of the season. I have to be honest with you, my notes... Anything I know about my next guest are a little sketchy. Stay with us. Mild marketing man by day, Cape Children's book writer and illustrator by night. I'm intrigued. Alan O'Rourke, welcome to Late Lunch. Thank you very much, Harry. God almighty, that's a description and a half. And they're your own words, I have to say. So you have to, you earned the crust with the marketing, is it? Sorry, say again. You earn the crust with the marketing. I, I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that keeps the roof over the head. <laughs> very, very important. But look at, you can pursue something you're absolutely brilliant at outside of working hours. Tell us this, um, before the um, lockdown, you had arranged the drink and draw. Now I'm even more intrigued. What was that about? <laughs> drink and draw. So there's... there's um well, so a few years ago, I was living over in Galway, and there was a great event over there, similarly named Drink and Draw, where we would meet up once every two weeks, and it, as it says in the name, we would drink and we would draw while we were there. And it wasn't just drawing, there was people listening, there was people painting miniature gaming sets, and it was just a, an opportunity for a bunch of creative people to meet up and kind of chat and create at the same time. Yeah. Did the lines get more wobbly as the night went on? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> more blurred, as they say. Anyway, the, the, the uh, lockdown happened. COVID descended on all of us and uh, locked us up for a, a long time, really. But now you're back and you're giving this a, a new name called Sketchy People. Sketchy People, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was funny. A bunch of uh, artists and hoodies... Uh, kind of skulking in corners around the drawing buildings. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, you, you want actually people to come along and, you know, have a go. That's what you're saying, basically, is it? Absolutely, yeah. Listen, my sketchbooks are absolutely terrible and most other artists I know are absolutely terrible and it's about meeting and just having fun and having a go and you can spend time after kind of cleaning stuff up and making beautiful stuff if you want, but it's, it's just about creating and having fun. So when is the first of these happening, Alan? Uh, so uh, I tied it in with the cottage market that's happening um, starting next month. Um, so that's the 7th of May, uh, which is a Saturday. And that's good. So uh, we're, I'm going to be there from 2.30 to 4. Okay. Uh, so it's kind of short and sweet and anyone's welcome to come and just draw whatever they say random, whether it be buildings or people or... And then probably we'll have a bit of a coffee afterwards to kind of compare how bad everyone's work is. <laughs> uh, well, it's coffee and tea this time. It, it makes a change from pre-pandemic, obviously, you know, and uh, exactly. it's in the afternoon as well. And I just remind everybody, it's the cottage market that happens once a month in Drogheda, in the heart of Drogheda, in St. Peter's, at St. Peter's Church of Ireland, at the top of Peter Street there in the town, 2.30 to 4 on Saturday week, the 7th of May. Now, 
do I obviously I need to bring pens pencils sketchbooks stuff like that I need that basic you, you do yeah you bring your own stuff um, everyone works kind of in their own favourite kind of medium so whatever works for you and do I need to book or just show up on the day? No, no, just show up. Um, it's a totally free event. It's a totally open event. You can arrive late. You can arrive early. <laughs> and if you see someone sketching, they're probably part of the group. <laughs> and uh, the idea then is, is it to get a feel for, you know, who'll be there, who shows up, and then to sort of take it from there and hopefully make it a regular? I'm hoping to do it weekly, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially yeah. As, the, as the weather starts warming up. Um, yeah. It's, you know, and not, not everyone's going to go every week, absolutely, but uh, just to get some kind of creative outlet for people every week. Tell me this, uh, and uh, try and reassure me if you can. The only subject I ever failed in my academic career at any level was art. So, uh, no point in me showing up, is there? They just didn't understand what you were trying to say. <laughs> Alan, Alan, you're my friend forever. You're my <laughs> friend forever. You're just saying all the right things to me there. But I don't have art. But funny, my son is an absolute brilliant sketcher. And I don't know where he ever got it from, but he can just turn his hand to it in a shot. Not that he ever walked or anything like that. But there you go. So, look, you don't need any prerequisite. Come along and just give it a go. That's what you're saying. Absolutely. That's it. Yeah. And um, tell me this, you mentioned before you lived in Galway, you lived in Dublin, so you've seen something like this, the urban sketching thing. Was that Dublin or Galway? Uh, urban sketching happened in both, and it's a big kind of global thing. I think most major cities around the world have uh, some kind of urban sketching group where people just meet up at a pretty fine time and mm. sketch what they see around them, yeah. You paint digital, digitally, let me get that, nearly got stuck in my tongue there, tongue twister, paint digitally. What do you mean, it, just on the screen with the paint app and on that? On the screen with the pen, I, I paint either on a, a, a PC um, with a pen or an iPad with a pen. Yeah. And that tends to be the way I work, yeah. Okay, so you're bringing it all to reality. There'll be no PCs or computers when you, you meet no, up. No, back to basics. On Saturday, it gets back to basics, is right. How are you getting on? Uh, you mentioned, I mentioned in the introduction, the caped children's book writer are you nearly there nearly there it's just, it's a genie mac publishing industry it's such a slow slow moving process but it, but it's been great so i have my first book made for kids and it's it's with the agent in the uk and he's currently shopping it around different publishers so it's it's a matter of fingers crossed and seeing who's interested in it so it's uh, imminent and uh, we'll be back to you on that one when uh, when that becomes a reality as well. So look, uh, if you're listening to us today, the Cottage Market, Saturday week, St Peter's Church of Ireland in Drogheda, 2.30 to 4 o'clock. Alan will be there. Everybody welcome along to give it a go sketch. And there's lots of uh, vistas from uh, the church there, I know, uh, of yeah. things that can be sketched as well. I wish you well with it, Alan. Thank you very much, Jerry. Thanks for joining me on the show. Take care of yourself. Alan O'Rourke there. You can sketch too. Even I can. Wasn't Alan so kind to me to say that? Listener on to say, Jerry, I'm your twin. I couldn't even draw a straight line. Get the ruler like myself <laughs> and run the pen along it. Little tip there. No, I'm only being, uh, having a little fun with you. I understand. And some of us just don't have that. We don't have that gene. It's as simple as that. That's our lot on late lunch this Thursday afternoon. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive. Tomorrow, Book Club with Irene Gahan. All about moths. Yes, moths. Not the mot. Moths. Sport with David Sheehan. Comedy and your TV theme competition all coming your way from 1.30. Make sure you're with us tomorrow for the final show of the week ahead of the bank holiday. But we leave you this afternoon in the company of the one and only Mr. Elton John. See you tomorrow.
The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Check out the new sporty and spacious Renault Arcana in petrol and full hybrid. Guaranteed delivery, low AP or finance and 48-hour test drive. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 